following was recorded in someone's basement. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Outsider Show. The Pro Show! With your hosts, Kyle Joseph and Mark Cote. Take it away, guys. What a week of wrestling, everyone. How's it going? My name is Mark. Welcome to the PWO Show. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Outsider Show. Um, so unfortunately, Kyle's not able to make it this week. He had some commitments and we weren't able to get together. So you got me tonight, you know, all by yourselves. I'm in my garage. I got my papers. I got a little sweet Pepsi, not a sponsor. Uh, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about this week in wrestling, guys. Put a poll up, kind of seeing if maybe you guys wanted to talk about something different. But hey, I don't blame you for picking SmackDown Raw AEW. Everyone online has been raving about AEW. I'm going to tell you, I've been critical of AEW. But I, got to, <laughs> I was really excited about this week's episode. So what I would love to do is, and I don't want to jump everywhere because... I don't want to break down every match on Raw and SmackDown and every single draft pick specifically in a specific order because the main thing, like nothing major, like there was some cool things that advanced and happened, you know, with Seth and Bray, you know, um, Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. However, the big focus on SmackDown and Raw was the draft. So let's talk about the draft. We'll kind of go over, I'll SmackDown, I'll high level the matches we saw and the big key pointers to the matches were... They, they connected it to which brand would get the draft pick at a certain point. One rule was for every, you know, two draft picks that SmackDown got, Raw got three. The reason for that was because Raw's a three-hour show and SmackDown's a two-hour show. So they're kind of putting it in the way of Raw will need more talent to fit more time. Uh, however, sometimes SmackDown has just as much or more matches than Raw does. But we'll see how they're going to move during uh, going forward. Some unique pieces about the draft. You had the War Rooms, which I'll tell you, a little cheesy, but I loved it. You know, you saw the NFL Fox, um, the robot guy, whenever Fox and SmackDown, you know, and they and they, they very much branded it that way too, which was pretty cool. You know, usually each brand and television network doesn't want to talk about other comp competitive television networks, but they're all about WWE. So, of course, when we talk about Raw, we're talking about the USA Network in the war room and when we're talking about smackdown we're talking about fox the fox analyst we saw troy aikman we saw joe buck we saw terry bradshaw we saw them all over the place so definitely kudos to wwe for making it fun you know treating it like an nfl you know a very big sports um event when they talk about draft picks and who do they like and who do they think so that was really well done but yeah so how about this let's kind of break down smackdown matches we'll talk about raw matches and we'll talk about the very big thing that resulted in both of those shows, which was the draft, where everyone ended up. Some comments on where do I think about people ending up and kind of some, some changes that we saw in between. Um, of course, then we'll talk about AEW and our third week, uh, Dynamite on TNT. So before we kind of get into all of that, let's just talk about some high-level news. You know, in this week of wrestling, of course, if you haven't been watching your Twitter and you haven't been following your wrestling, just the other day it was announced that Eric Bischoff is no longer with WWE. Eric Bischoff came in four months ago to be the executive um, director reporting directly to Vince McMahon for Friday Night Smackdown. He has He's out. Bruce Pritchard is in. Bruce Pritchard will be the executive director reporting right to Vince McMahon for all storylines, talent, everything. Hey, Bruce Pritchard in the 90s, early 2000s, up to 2008-ish, had a lot to do with some great storylines, great promos, and everything else that WWE, WWF had to offer. So I'm a huge Bruce, Bruce Pritchard fan, and I'm super happy to see him back. Hopefully everything was okay. I know Eric Bischoff is known to be a controversial guy, you know, a little hard to work with sometimes. So I wonder if the Fox executives didn't feel the vibe and just, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll hear soon. Maybe on the next episode of 83 Weeks, maybe Bischoff will go into a little bit more elaboration on what happened. But either which way, a big change in the wrestling world um, of that. And 
Of course, also announcing Crown Jewel coming up on October 31st, Seth Rollins is no longer going to represent Team Hogan because Seth will defend his Universal Championship one more time, uh, seemingly one more time, against The Fiend at Crown Jewel, even though they're now on, spoiler alert, two different brands. We do know this Friday on SmackDown, it was just announced today, I believe, that Roman Reigns will challenge Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. That's kind of interesting. And let's see. Oh, ratings. Now, once again, I know I'm sounding like a hypocrite and talk about ratings, about how we can't look too much into it. But hey, if ratings is, you know, very hot and heavy, um, you know, when we're talking, specifically when we're talking about the Wednesday night ratings war, guys can't undoubtedly say, um, I can absolutely say that and AEW has been smashing NXT in the ratings. Now, AEW's ratings have been going down from week one to week three. They went from 1.4 million views to just a little over 1 million views. So they lost roughly about 400,000 viewers this week. What is that involved with? Once again, it's really hard. Cable, not a lot of people have it. A lot of people are watching online. From my understanding, they don't take into account um, PVRs and things such as that. So viewership is kind of is what it is, but when AEW three weeks in a row are pulling over 1 million viewers and AEW, I would, I think their three week average is just a little under, um, 800,000. So definitely when it comes to the rated Wednesday night wars, AEW is kicking some great butt there. All right, let's get into it. Let's kind of run down what we saw on SmackDown, and then we'll kind of talk about the drafts on SmackDown. Then we'll run through Raw and what we saw on there. So, of course, we kicked off with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. Now, that's a way to kick off a Friday Night SmackDown. Um, But, of course, Seth won by disqualification as The Fiend pulled him underneath the ring and just took him right out. The feud continues. I'm going to have more later on about what my thoughts on the feud between Seth and Bray are, as my hope is that, and I know a lot of people hated what happened in Hell in a Cell, but I think with some more patience and time, it might pay off. Um, Of course, you know, the big announcer of all the draft picks was Stephanie McMahon for both Raw and SmackDown when they did happen. We then saw King Corbin take on Shorty Gable. Uh, Corbin did win that match. A little recap of Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman, which on Raw we did see the contract signing. Uh, a little bit more build to the crown jewel match between Brock Lesnar and Kane Velasquez. You know, Ray and Kane kind of coming out, and I think Heyman did a really, really good job at building Kane's toughness. Because very rarely do you see Paul Heyman talk, you know, openly about Brock Lesnar's flaws. You know, and very much was, if anything, at some at one point it got uncomfortable where he's talking about, like, he beat, he decimated, you know, Brock Lesnar took his title bloody pool and they showed some UFC, um, some images from the UFC fight way, way back um, where he kind of had, like, just a scar on his face and looks like he still has that scar on his face. It was a short but very sweet promo. Ray and uh, Kane really didn't need to do much, but I thought, that's it. Less is more little bits. We don't need these long, drawn-out, four, five, seven, ten-minute promos from Kane. Just the build, the tease, and I thought it was perfect. Next up, we had the New Day um, come out, uh, talking about some Susan G. Komen stuff and the Survivors, which was really, really nice. Um, I really loved how constantly that night the, um, the announcers, Corey and Michael, consistently talked about something I'm excited about, no more wild card rule. But that kind of led up to the New Day taking on the OC. So we had Carl Anderson and AJ Styles versus Xavier, Big E, and Kofi. Kofi pins Styles. Pretty good match overall. Uh, then, of course, uh, let's see here. And then the big main event. Not so many matches on SmackDown. A lot of it was the War Rooms, the Build, the, the Fox feel. Uh, but the main event, the big one, and this one I loved, Charlotte Flair versus Bayley. Ladies and gentlemen, and new, once again, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey, a new Bailey, And this hit the nail, guys, on the head. So sweet. 
Kyle and I have been talking about it for a while. Kyle nailed it on the head the other week, and he 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 made the. We were kind of talking about Bailey, but he nailed it on saying he hopes like a new haircut and like a, a new attitude. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, and you know, my big thing was I compared Bailey to Moose, to Daniel Bryant, to Bailey. Um, you know, comparing a lot of different people who've gone from major baby faces to major heels. Moose wanted to be a ba- wanted to be a heel, but he kept doing the arm pump. You know, moose, moose, and everyone would do it with him, pandering to the cl- to the crowd. Doesn't work. You don't give them that. Just like Daniel Bryan did it beautifully when he became a heel. No more yes chants. No more arms and fingers in the air. No more pandering to the crowd. It was great. But with Bailey, since attacking Becky a couple of weeks ago to kind of team with Sasha. You know, Bailey kind of still came out and very bubbly, you know, dancing to her Bailey buddies, the inflatable flailing tube men. But now she came out rocking new shorter haircut and just started smashing those Bailey buddies down, came down and reclaimed her throne against Charlotte and loved it. And the attitude for Bailey, this is exactly how it should have always been. However, let's be honest, guys. When we don't always get what we... No, I don't want to say get what we want, but when something happens and we can be critical to it. I know I was very critical going, Bailey is a heel, but she's coming down huggy, cutesy with her little inflatable people. But the fact that that's gone, it almost makes it sweeter that we didn't get that right away. And we can pop so much harder to see that change. This is the Bailey. This is like the rejuvenated Bailey we've been wanting for a while. Now the big question is, where do we go from here? You know, Bailey is officially on SmackDown as the SmackDown Women's Champion, of course. Um, but now what is the big question, especially now that Charlotte is on Raw? So great night of SmackDown, great night of drafts. That brings us to right to Monday Night Raw. So Monday Night Raw kicked off uh, with a really good match. Becky versus Charlotte Flair uh, for once again a pick. Uh, Becky won. I thought it was great, and you know, and a great lead up by Charlotte, and, you know, just kind of coming in, going, you know, very sarcastically, like I miss my best friend, and you know, I hope we get on the same brand because we can fight forever. Like just kind of, like everyone knows they're great friends behind the scenes, but they're great enemies in front of the camera, and then just a boom, a big, a big cheap shot, and turn into a match. Those two, Becky and. Um, Charlotte Flair, every time they get into the ring together, it's absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Uh, we also had another little bit of a Seth and Bray build leading to what would end up being the main, um, not main event match, but the main feature of the night. Of course, Andrade took on Ali. Andrade won that match with uh, Zelina Vega. Uh, Viking Raiders versus Ziggler and Rude. Loved it. Not only a great match, that was, you know, not too long, not too short. But at the same time, I don't think anyone expected the Viking Raiders to win. Now, if you've only been watching the Viking Raiders in WWE or NXT, I definitely encourage you to go watch their matches, Ring of Honor, but especially in New Japan. You know, when they were the IWGP, um, you know, tag team champions. These guys have been doing their thing for a very long time. And what I loved about it was not only was it a surprise that they were the champion, a clean win against Ziggler and Rude, but right afterwards, they went right backstage and cut a killer promo. And that killer promo was literally, not only are we the Raw Tag Team Champions, but we are the first ever undefeated tag team to be the NXT, the Raw, but then the two, he said said these two at first, where the Ring of Honor and IWGP crowd popped, I popped. You don't usually talk about other companies on TV as well. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to say breaking the fourth wall down by any means, but, you know, it's that's because it's true. You know, these guys have gone over the world and they cut a sweet, sweet, sweet promo. Uh, just talking about how they're here and a true champion isn't about winning championships, it's how they defend it. Love it, Viking Raiders. I think all those weeks of, you know, facing those jobber teams and everything else has really done a great job of bringing them where they are now, which is now Raw Tag Team Champions. 
We then saw Alistair Black kick the crap out of Eric Young. Poor Eric Young. <laughs> Sanity was one of the hottest things in NXT at one point. Now, Eric Young apparently is not even allowed having his damn beard. But uh, that was quite the match with um, Alistair Black doing his new both arms around the back chokehold submission, which is pretty crazy. OC and, and Street Profits, you know, AJ um, Gallows and Anderson had a little bit of a scrap taking out the Street Profits. Looks like that's going to be a little build, you know, to a future event. Ricochet took on Shelton Benjamin. Great match. No matter how long Shelton Benjamin has been in the company and been in wrestling, he can always put on a really, really good match. And I thought his style complemented Ricochet very, very well. Once again, they're not overexposing Ricochet in the sense of these consistent top stars. And I think they're they're doing right by Ricochet, where he's on a great win streak, but he's not, you know, it's not a, a Brock Lesnar, a Seth Rollins. You know, he has his time with AJ and that little little time as United States champion, but it's not overexposing, which I love. Then, of course, we saw the little rated R AG scene with Lana and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> this, uh, of course, uh, we learned that Lana likes it harder. <laughs> Lana likes it deeper. Um, and yeah, Bobby took over from the masseuse and just started rubbing Lana down. Very Attitude Era-ish. This was very 1998-1999. Um, you know, it looks like that Paul Heyman is trying to put a little sexual edge to it. And, and once again, hey, this is what wrestling has kind of always been. You know, it's eccentric, weird storylines sometimes that kind of results in a greater good of a grudge match. So obviously, I think at some point we're going to see Rusev um, and Bobby Lashley go at it. Um, and hopefully Rusev prevails. And I don't know. Are, is she going to get Lana back? Is he is Lana with Bobby permanently? I don't know. Who knows? But once again, that's the perfect part of everything is you don't really know. Um, I don't know how they would do it because they've done it before. You know, when Lana kind of left Rusev for Dolph Ziggler a few years ago, that kind of got kiboshed when they announced their marriage with each other with Lana and Rusev. And now we're kind of giving it another shot again. So very interesting, but I don't really know or have an opinion on where this should go. But at the same time, kind of excited to see where it'll go, to be honest. Uh, then, of course, we had the big contract signing. Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman at Crown Jewel. Um, and I'll tell you, easy, fun, little, you know, promo back and forth. You know, Braun, get these hands. Now, Lawler made a little bit of an error here, and I don't know if you guys caught it, where Lawler said, you know, this is a contract signing. Never before has an undefeated boxer taken on a WWE superstar. Now, that's very incorrect. Um, several years ago, we had Floyd Mayweather, uh, undefeated boxer, take on the big show at WrestleMania. So, um, so and you kind of saw the crowd react a little bit too, going, whoa, 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 no, 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 Floyd Mayweather, big show. Come on, we know our stuff. You can't, you can't delete the, delete the past from our, us wrestling fans. Um, but you know what? Very much get these hands, Braun, you know, over characteristically breaking the table, smashing it with his fists. You know, Tyson taking the pen, pretending like he couldn't break it, then breaking it. That was kind of him making fun of Braun to his face. I'm glad these guys aren't touching. I don't know what to expect from this match. Of course, I think Tyson Fury is going to... This is a showcase match for Saudi Arabia, for Crown Jewel. Um, I think after that, I don't think it's going to go anywhere else. I think Tyson, this is his way to... I don't, Tyson Fury is not going to lose. You know, the boxer, the big celebrity never really loses. So I think this is just a fun little thing to see at Crown Jewel uh, to kind of see and what is a very popular undefeated boxer. <laughs> like Tyson Fury is huge and he's very, very good. So once again, if you haven't watched a Tyson Fury match, go watch it on YouTube. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, we also saw a little blip it. So we also saw the, you know, one of the times before at Crown Jewel, we saw, you know, the best in the world uh, cup, we saw, um, you know, Braun Strowman win the big, huge uh, Royal, Battle Royal Royal Rumble, uh, but looks like they're going to have a best tag team in the world tournament at Crown Jewel. That's going to be pretty cool. I wonder if they're going to have like that uniquely green belt like they did for Braun when he won the Battle Royal uh, a few years back. 
Uh, then we had the the Kabuki Warriors take on Natalia with a guest tag team partner, which is Lacey Evans. Interesting. Don't know what you... I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about that when you saw that. Because over the last several weeks, we've watched Natalia and Lacey Evans kick the crap out of each other in, you know, last women standing matches, submission matches, just street fights all over the place. Um, but I'll tell you what I kind of felt in this match when, you know, Natalia came out, like, I needed to find someone that, you know, I know can, 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 can give it. And she has that experience with Lacey Evans. This kind of, in a different way, this almost makes me feel like when Sheamus and Cesaro got together. Now, very differently, where Commissioner McFoley told them and made them that they were going to be a tag team after facing each other several times. And they ended up being The Bar, one of the very, very good tag teams in the last, excuse me, decade. So are we going to get that with Natalia and Lacey Evans? Who knows? Is Natalia or Lacey, probably Lacey, going to backstab Natalia at some point? Probably. Who knows where they're going from here? Is it another way to get a tag team in the division? Or is this another way to continue Natalia and Lacey Evans? I personally think it's a way to continue Natalia and Lacey Evans as Natalia, no matter what she tries, is too much of a babyface and Lacey Evans is too good of a heel. So... Interesting what you guys think. Then, of course, the big main, not a match, but the main, um, you know, the main storyline at the end of Raw was, of course, throughout Seth, uh, throughout the night, Seth kind of threatened, like, you know, I'm going to go fiend hunting, you know, I'm going to go find the fiend and I'm going to, you know, face my fears and go, go get mine back. And uh, I loved this promo, or this little, not promo, sorry gotta stop saying promo i love this little segment because it was beautiful and here's why i hope i can explain this i hope i can explain this well he attacked bray while bray was in you know the firefly funhouse and you know ramblin rabbit was very much like seth is on his way he's he like he's here like what do you and then he was like don't worry about it everything's gonna be fine they did a really really good job at showing that Bray Wyatt and The Fiend are two different personalities. Seth comes in and beats, beats him, beats him, beats him. Starts pulling down, you know, the pictures on the wall. Bray gets up and just yells, Seth! And then looks at him with this look of disdain. Like, why are you doing this to me? Almost as if he doesn't know why Seth is doing this to him. Almost as if... He doesn't have a recollection of what the fiend did to him or has been doing to anything else. It's almost as if the fiend uses the Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers type character in the funhouse as his shelter, as his comfort zone. You know, his safe, his safe place. You know, then Seth burned it down and that cut the show. I think that quote-unquote fire is going to be I don't want to say the end, but potentially the end of this cutesy Bray Wyatt. And I think that's what's going to fully unleash the demon, the fiend, uh, to the universe, to SmackDown now. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, I know a lot of people really, really hated the end of the Hell in the Cell. And I know a lot of people were more complaining about the fact that, like, hey, guys, come on. You know, you can't, you can't stop a Hell in a Cell when anything goes. There must be a winner. You know, that's how they've always built Hell in a Cells since the beginning of time, since they've had them almost the last 20 years. And I get it. And so how it can happen where a ref just calls it. And it's happened before. I think it happened last year, actually. I think when Brock Lesnar pulled the you know, pulled the door off and, you know, um, beat down the opponents and they kind of called it from there. But the beautiful build of Bray Wyatt and all the way and all of this stuff for Seth Rollins, he, like, let's be honest, guys, the Fiend couldn't have, in his second match ever, they were able to build the Fiend and he only had one match against Bray, uh, Finn Balor. The fact that we are so invested in The Fiend and he's hardly competed is beautiful. That's so, so amazing. So, of course, we can't just have him win the championship, you know, like the first time he has his match. If anything, the fact that he was lying there and then after all of that with the toolbox, with the sledgehammer, he shot up and he attacked Seth. And the crowd was booing. If anything, I really hope the crowd would have popped. 
because if anything, that showed that the Fiend was playing mind games. He was fine all along. He was playing with Seth, showing that the Fiend has all the power. And if anything, Seth thought he had the upper hand by doing all this, but he really didn't. The Fiend is not worried about getting the title in that moment. He will get his. It's just a matter of time. And I loved that. And, and, and I really hope I'm not the only person that saw it that way. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm delusional. And maybe you guys are like, Mark, come on now. No, he should have won it. And cool. Don't get me wrong. If The Fiend won, that would have been really cool. And I would have loved that. And I was hoping he would have won. But I get the build now. And we're about to going to talk about it now with where people ended up in the draft. Seth and Bray are on two different brands now. So how is that going to work now? Does The Fiend not care about brands? But once again, we break the wildcard rule and we break the brands. So I'm really conflicted, you know, or does does everything change? And at Crown Jewel, does The Fiend defeat Seth Rollins for the championship? And then there's a turn. Then because the Universal Championship is with a SmackDown guy, Bray now needs to go to Raw and Seth then goes to SmackDown. You know what I mean? It's... This is very interesting how we can go. And if anything, I would love WWE to maybe sell it that way. To go, you know what? Bray's a SmackDown guy. Seth is a Raw guy. If Seth loses his title and The Fiend walks away victorious as the new Universal Champion, he will go. The Fiend will go to Raw and Seth has to relinquish his spot on Raw and go to SmackDown. Kind of trade places. That would be great. Because it kind of makes you think. Because right now, you go into Crown Jewel going, well... They're on two different brands. Why would Bray win? You know, and it kind of makes you hard to get invested behind it and think that the title is at risk in any way for Seth. So I really think if, if WWE, you know, puts a foot forward and kind of says it could happen, and if it happened, here's what would happen, I think that kind of maybe changes the game on how people are watching Crown Jewel, especially with that match. Interested to see what you guys think. Let me know. All right, we've talked about SmackDown, we've talked about Raw, let's talk about the draft and where everything ended up. So, of course, the first night on SmackDown, after each match happened, a draft happened. Stephanie came out and announced. So, let's kind of go SmackDown each round, Raw each round, and then I just found out, well, I, I, the other day I saw it, but um, there was some drafts done off-air, online, on Twitter, as well as there was a special trade, uh, which was a little bit of a change in what happened in the draft. So we'll talk about that too. So on Friday Night SmackDown, the first round, Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Champion, was drafted first. Roman Reigns was then first on SmackDown. The OC, Gallows, Anderson, and AJ Styles, meaning also the United States Championship, went to Raw. Bray Wyatt went to SmackDown. And Drew McIntyre went to Raw. Maybe that's confusing. Let me do who went to Raw and who went to SmackDown in the next one. So, of course, so on Raw, we have Becky Lynch, the OC, with Gallows, Anderson, and, and Styles, and Drew McIntyre. And on SmackDown, we have Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt. And those are two really good picks for SmackDown and three really good picks for Raw. Second round, Raw got Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Bobby Lashley. SmackDown got Sasha Banks and Braun Strowman. Third round... Raw got Alexa Bliss, Kevin Owens, and Natalia. And SmackDown got Lacey Evans and The Revival. So it looks like even though they were a tag team together, you know, kind of answers the question, is this going to be something more long-term? Because Natalia is now on Raw and Lacey is on SmackDown. So looks like that might have been maybe just a one-night thing, come to think of it. Fourth round and the last round on Friday Night SmackDown the Viking Raiders, which are now new Raw Tag Team Champions, Nikki Cross and Street Profits from NXT are now on Raw, Lucha House Party and Heavy Machinery, the two tag teams uh, and one faction with Lucha House Party, are on SmackDown. So that was your night of drafts, specifically on Friday Night SmackDown. Coming into Monday Night Raw, um, on Raw, Raw's first, so they had six rounds instead of four on Raw. So the six rounds, first round, Raw got Seth Rollins, the Universal Champion, Charlotte Flair, and Andrade with Zelina. SmackDown got Brock Lesnar and The New Day, Xavier, Big E, and Kofi. Second round, Raw got the Kabuki Warriors, so, and here's one thing to note too. 
SmackDown has the Kabuki Warriors, which are the women's tag team champions. So, I also found out that the women's tag team championships will be defended on both brands, Raw and SmackDown. However, if the Kabuki Warriors are no longer tag team champions, Asuka and Kari Sane are exclusive to Monday Night Raw. So... That's an interesting thing to think of, is they can go both sides if they're champions, but if the, the moment they're no longer champions, Raw has exclusive rights to Asuka and Kari Sane. Um, so yeah, Kabuki Warriors, Rusev and Aleister Black are on Monday Night Raw, Bailey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, and Daniel Bryant are on SmackDown. Third round of the night, Cedric Alexander, uh, Humberto, and Rowan are on Raw. And Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, and Ali are on SmackDown. Interesting note. When Andrade was announced, it was Andrade with Zelina. When Shinsuke Nakamura was announced, and the little SmackDown picture of him, it specifically only said Shinsuke Nakamura, current Intercontinental Champion, Royal Wumber winner, former NXT Champion, and Sami Zayn was in the graphic behind him, but there was absolutely no mention of Sami Zayn going to SmackDown with him. So, question to you guys. Is Sami Zayn with him? Or not with him? I think he's going to be with him, but it would have been nice to maybe say Shinsuke Nakamura with Sami Zayn, as they're kind of a team, and the rules were you can pick a team or you can separate a team. Makes sense that Sami Zayn would be with Shinsuke, but they didn't announce it or didn't talk about it. So, is he actually... Fourth round on Raw, we saw Buddy Murphy, Jinder Mahal, and R-Truth with the 24-7 championship go to Monday Night Raw, and Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode as a tag team going to SmackDown, uh, as well as Carmella. Fifth round, Raw got Samoa Joe, Akira Tozawa, and Shelton Benjamin, and SmackDown got The Miz and King Corbin. And in the sixth and final round of the night on Monday Night Raw in the draft, Raw got Rey Mysterio, Titus O'Neil, and Liv Morgan. And SmackDown got Shorty Gable and Elias. Very interesting. Now, like I said before, going over the draft picks, there were additional draft picks done. So on Raw, No Way Jose, Mojo Raleigh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, and the Iconics, Peyton and Billy, are on Raw. Harper, Cesaro, Drake Maverick... Um, Fire and Ice, Sonya and Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke are all on SmackDown. Now, there was a special trade that happened on the 15th of October, two days ago, where on Monday Night Raw, Monday drafted on SmackDown in the third round, they got Alexa Bliss, and on Raw, on the... where is it here... Oh my goodness. Oh, sorry. On the, sorry. On the same night on SmackDown, in the third round, they got Alexa Bliss, and in the fourth round, Raw. So Raw got Alexa and Nikki. But Raw and Nikki as a team, Raw and Nikki, I'm sorry, guys. Alexa and Nikki have been both drafted to SmackDown as a tag team. Now, we didn't say anything about Raw getting anything back, but I kind of almost feel after the draft was done, they probably looked at it and goes, okay, SmackDown needs a couple of other, you know, good people. So, so yeah, that's your draft that we know so far. Please let me know if I missed anything. Now, looking at the draft, of course, you know, comes the end to some storylines. And if anything, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I mentioned when Kyle and I were talking about, you know, the status of the, the, the status of current storylines and how certain things aren't building too, too much. Um, I felt a lot of this is in the wait for the draft. I feel they don't want to get too, too invested or too deep into certain storylines in the event that something was to happen like the draft where they're separated. So, of course, we spent the last little bit watching Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks go at it. And now they're both on two different brands, Becky on Raw, Sasha on SmackDown. Um, same thing with Bray and Seth, like we mentioned earlier. Um, Seth is on Raw, Bray is on SmackDown. Rowan and Harper got broken up. Rowan is on Raw, Harper is on SmackDown. Um, so that was quite interesting. Uh, what else do we have here? Boom, 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 boom. They didn't, so even though Cain Velasquez 
signed an exclusive, apparently multi-year deal with WWE. I don't know if after this one match he's going to be on the main roster or if he's going to go down to the Performance Center. I really hope he goes down to NXT. I think that would do him very, very well, going to learn under some of those guys. Um, but obviously Cain Velasquez has not... They haven't talked about a multi-deal in the sense of he's on a specific brand, so more to come on Cain Velasquez. What else, what else, what else? Uh, but yeah, so really when you kind of look at everything else, a lot of storylines came to an end. Um, obviously some can continue. Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar are still on the same brand. Kofi might want to get his title back one day. Um, you know, tag teams specifically have kind of been a little all over the place. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, like how the tag team division kind of shapes up with the Revival or SmackDown, you know, champions. And when you really look at the SmackDown tag division, you have the Revival, then you have Heavy Machinery, The New Day, Dolphin Rude, and that's it. And no, oh, let's see here, and that is it. So clearly SmackDown is going to need to... Oh, and sorry, Lucha House Party. But I don't really see them in the tag team contention, really. But, but yeah, so SmackDown's got some work to do to build their tag team division. Because right now, you have the champions and three other teams. So very, very, very grim. Even though on Raw, too, who do we have? We have the OC. So specifically, we have Gallows and Anderson. Uh, we have the Viking Raiders as the champions. So that's two teams. We have the Street Profits. Now a new tag team on Raw. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, guys. <laughs> so, if anything, Raw's in a, in a worse position. Oh, sorry, hold on. They also have Ryder and Hawkins. So, same position. So, they have their champions and three teams underneath them. So, clearly, WWE is going to have to do something with their tag team division. Bring it up. Maybe bring some NXT guys up or something. Because now, the tag team men's division is in a really, really weird space. Um, and even the women's division is kind of, or the tag team division is a little all over the place. But, however, I don't hate the draft, to be honest, especially if they're true to their word and they say, you know, like, like no wild cards, no going over to the other one. Bruce Pritchard has a SmackDown team. Paul Heyman has his Raw team. That's it. Because um, when they ever do show up on the same show, like a Royal Rumble or... Who knows what they're going to do with Survivor Series. Um, it's going to be a little bit more special. And plus, too, you got to watch Raw to see the Raw guys, SmackDown to see the SmackDown guys. Just like it was way back in the day, you never saw... I remember one time, I think it was like two years plus, until someone crossed over and jumped on the show to attack someone. And when it happened, I think it was Randy Orton. I can't remember. But when it did happen, the place erupted. Because they're going, whoa, hold on, why is, why, is a, why is a SmackDown guy coming on Raw or a Raw guy coming on SmackDown? He has no business here. So, but no, very interesting to see what you guys thought. That was Raw SmackDown in the draft. Um, I think we have a lot of defining to do. I believe when you look at everything, there's going to be some, you know, some new storylines, new contenders... Because right after they kind of get what's currently going on out of the way, I really truly do believe that we're going to see a whole new era of wrestling. Because uh, a whole new contenders for the women's, the men's, the tag teams, the Intercontinental, the United States. I think they have a lot of work to do to rebuild titles like the Intercontinental title. They either need to better Shinsuke or take it off them. You know what I mean? Maybe Roman Reigns takes the Intercontinental title off them. You know, Roman Reigns is a pretty good, you know, stakeholder in the time being you know if, if he's not going to be in the world title picture that'd be cool all right what else what else anything else i'm missing before we jump into AEW? Mm -hmm. nope i think that's it guys all right i'm gonna take a quick break i'm gonna grab myself a fresh drink and then we come back and the last segment of the show will be week three of AEW dynamite on tnt hold on guys i'll be right back in a quick moment She'll never fall in love. Whoa. She'll never fall in love. Whoa. She'll never fall in love. 
What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Thank you for the uh, small few seconds of a break for you, but a uh, five-minute break for me. All right, let's get into something that I'm actually very excited to talk about this week, and which is the third episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT. Now, first two weeks, they were okay. Not bad. However, I'll tell you what they've been building, the matches in week three... So much better. I can definitely admit that I absolutely underestimated what AEW could be um, capable of. Well, I shouldn't say that. I always knew that they were capable of a lot. However, what I saw in the first two weeks, you know, maybe I was thinking of something a little bit more. And Now, not saying that everything was a home run, the, you know, uh, last night on Wednesday for AEW, uh, which I'll kind of talk about as well. But I'll tell you, overall, huge high fives all over the place. So, let's talk about let me get my let me get my notes i love my notes uh so of course we kind of kick off with something that leaded into a great match so of course the first match of the night was the best friends versus scu um in one of the first rounds for the aw tag team tournament now beforehand scu came out and you had daniels and kazarian they then got attacked by the lucha brothers pentagon and phoenix now, at first, I was kind of like, oh, they're being attacked. But the, the action was immediate. The moment the show kicked off, immediate action. Uh, Pentagon ended up pile-driving Daniels onto the ground. Kind of looked like he hit his head. Hopefully, he's actually okay. But everyone came down. Scorpio Sky broke, you know, ran down to the ramp, broke it all up, and saved the action. You saw the Young Bucks. You saw Michael Nakazawa. You saw everyone coming to Daniel's aid. Daniels was taken away on a stretcher. Scorpio Sky, in his normal gear, ripped off his shirt going, I'm, I'm in for Daniels. You know, like, no, this match is not going to be a disqualification or a forfeit. I'm going to step in. And I'll tell you, the match wasn't bad. Yes, you know, the whole best friends hug and stuff. And if anything, I kind of really did enjoy it when Scorpio kind of broke it up. But, you know, there's a couple of slow moves, slow transitions, but, you know, and, and some really high risk stuff, you know, like the, like the double stomp to the lower back of um, Chuck Taylor. Uh, you know, the apron backdrop looked really, really bad on Trent Beretta. But overall, you know, Scorpio Sky, you know, Kazarian's always been really good, but Scorpio's getting really, really good the more and more he wrestles. Um, you know, the kind of little bit of drama at the open with the whole Lucha Brothers attacking kind of really helped build this match and set a really good tempo to this match because now... The big thing is, is SCU going to advance in this tournament or are the best friends going to get the better because Kazarian is still in the match. However, Kazarian was also attacked and taken out a good little bit. So best friends still have an advantage over SCU, even though Scorpio Sky is fresh. He also wasn't anticipating to have a match, quote unquote. So great build. Uh, I'll tell you, the ending was a little sloppy. Um, the whole powerbomb dropkick that they did together didn't really land out as I think they hoped. It was a very small little dropkick slip from Scorpio after the powerbomb from Kazarian. But, uh, but hey, SCU wins. They advance in the AEW Tag Team Tournament. You know, it wasn't perfect, but I'll tell you, the drama at the beginning definitely built to great stakes and a great match to kick off the show. Uh, right after that, we saw a little bit of a squash match, a build match for Ortiz and Santana, which I'll tell you was actually pretty good. We had some um, so two individuals, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Never heard of them. I almost feel like it's their version of the uh, the Jobbers when WWE has them come in for the Viking Raiders, uh, Braun Strowman, and such. But it was great. It showcased Ortiz and Santana. Uh, how great they are, how strong they are, and if anything, it was a great way to showcase the inner circle. Jericho then kills the promo. Talks about how at full gear, you know, LAX, sorry, not LAX, not LAX, Santana and Ortiz um, wants to show and prove they're one of the best tag teams in the world by challenging the quote-unquote best tag team in the world. So Chris Jericho kind of uh, fully endorses Ortiz and Santana to go against the Young Bucks at full gear. So it looks like that's going to be a match. And if anything, it's kind of perfect. When Santana and Ortiz debuted, they attacked the Young Bucks. The Inner Circle have kind of been ta attacking the Elite. 
you know, it's a good rivalry is starting here, so it kind of fully makes sense that they're going to have a tag team bout, especially now that the Young Bucks are not in the tournament anymore. They can now focus on a feud, specifically. So, um, my only one thing that I could have done a little without was while Jericho is killing the promo on screen, a great, you know, um, all elite wrestling backdrop. He's got the leather jacket on the belt on his shoulder, hair back, sunglasses, but Ortiz could not stop screaming and yelling, which we can still hear Jericho, but we can hear, you know, the whole, the whole promo. It was screaming and yelling. It would have been nice to maybe allow them to show respect to allow Jericho's promo to run and not cut him off. Um, I don't think that's intentional, but that's just, once again, that's me nitpicking. But overall, solid promo from Chris Jericho to support and build Santana and Ortiz. Uh, representing the inner circle. Then AEW killed it again. That Cody build promo for Cody versus um, Chris Jericho at Full Gear was beautifully done. Brandy, DDP, MJF, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone showing Cody's mental state and showing him work out. It was a great video package. Um, the only thing that I want them to maybe stop doing a little bit is trying to make him seem like the Triple H of AEW at that one point where they're literally saying, well, you know, Jericho just has to focus on defending his title where Cody needs to, you know, be on planes and be in meetings and all that stuff and focus on the match. Very recently, about a month, a month and a half ago, we just saw, you know, um, a Triple H, um, video on the WWE Network about how Triple H, you know, was building for his match with Batista, and he had to be on the road, do the meetings, do the interviews, and all that such, so I don't know if that was intentional, but however, regardless, the MMA, the boxing, the working out, the, um, the sleep deprivation tank, everything, oh, the sleep deprivation, is it the sleep deprivation tank? Or the hydraulic tank? Either which way, I'm gonna butcher it, but, you know, Everything about that promo, it wasn't too short, it wasn't too long, but it really showcased all the work, all the drive that Cody has put into his whole career, you know, especially even MJF, not taking a shot at WWE, but even saying, you know, since Cody left the other place, you know, it wasn't trying to take a shot at WWE, however, it's saying that, you know, Cody wants to become something so much more, and the the work he's willing to put in to do that is phenomenal, so once again, Jericho promo, Cody promo, that video package was absolutely beautifully done. You know, WWE definitely is number one and sets the standards on video packages and everything else. However, AEW did a great job this week. So, great work. Next up, we saw Dr. Britt Baker DMD versus Rio. Um... Not a bad match. Now, the right person won. I thought Rio winning was the right thing to do. Looked like that Britt Baker was trying to get, you know, that whole submission, but also put her fingers down her throat again, the little mandible claw with a cross face, rolled it up into a pin. So Rio was the right one to win. And the match was okay. However, once again, I just think Britt Baker is just not ready yet. Um, you know, a little sloppy, you know, arm drags, you know, trying to make it mat wrestling a little slow. Um, you can definitely see that Rio was the more advanced and the more experienced wrestler of the two of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was great to see Rio in the singles after she won the match. She was in some tag team matches. So I know we're only week three, so not bad match overall. Once again, I'm going to say what I said last week. It's called a Britt Baker you know, or Britain or Baker. It doesn't always need to be every time you talk about her, it's Dr. Britt Baker DMD. It's too much. You know, we get it, and she's a dentist. That's great, and that's awesome. Super cool, but she's a wrestler now. Like, that two completely different, you know, jobs, two completely different lifestyles, but I don't know. So not so bad of a match, but, you know, I really hope to see Britt take the opportunity at the great talent that's around her to develop and learn more. Um, because if she continues to kind of be a little slow and sloppy, it just kind of almost seemed like Rio and Britt Baker, very big size difference, but they just seemed like they couldn't sync up. 
like they couldn't flow well together um like we've seen a lot of the other females do so but here's hoping i think you know Britt baker's got a lot of going a lot going for her she's got the great look she's attractive woman great shape you know but i think her promo and her in-ring work just need a little bit more work but once again when you're kind of indie people jumping into this big organization, this is kind of expected. You know, there's no big performance center that they come from getting trained like they do at NXT and in WWE. So at the same time, you can't necessarily blame everyone for not being completely crisp. So then next up after that, we saw a match that actually shocked me. I thought it was going to be a smash match, but it really wasn't. So unfortunately, Lucha Dragon, uh, sorry, Lucha Saurus, not Lucha Dragon, um, is injured and he's currently dealing with a thigh issue. Um, so in the another first round match in the AEW Tag Team Tournament, it was Pentagon Phoenix against Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Now, when I first saw that, I was like, oh my God, these guys are going to get smashed. But they didn't. You know, definitely there's levels in this game and Pentagon and Phoenix are so much above the rest. So them winning completely makes sense. It would have been a much different match if Lucasaurus was there because he's big, he's athletic, he's strong, and he brings a lot different of a style. So Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, two very different people. Jungle Boy, I'm telling you, man, he's small, he's scrappy, but he's good. He's athletic. A lot of the transitions he does are very clean. You know, him and Luchasaurus together, I'm a pretty big fan of. Um... But overall, you know, it was a very exciting match and lasted a lot longer than I thought, but it wasn't a bad last long. It was it was good. You know, you kind of obviously saw Marco Stunt being thrown around, tossed around, you know, but Pentagon and Phoenix, as strong as they are and as brutal as they are, um, winning absolutely made sense in that, in that uh, scenario. Then, two matches left in the night, two killer matches. This next match, the co-main of the night... Pac and Moxley in a tag team match against Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Holy crap. The promo building Moxley and how he's excited to kind of get his hands on Kenny at full gear. It was an amazing match. All four of these people have history. So it makes sense. Pac has defeated Hangman Page. Pac has defeated Kenny Omega. Moxley is here to take over the world. Moxley, and then of course at the end of the match, not to jump just right through, but it looks like we can also open up the door to a Pac and Moxley match at some point, seeing as how it ended with Kenny Omega and Adam Page winning, but that was also because you got the double birds from Moxley, you know, DDTing and bloodying up Pac to then get to the win for, you know, Kenny and, uh, and Page. But what a great match. The Pac you know, um, RKO to Kenny from the outside to the inside. Um, you know, it was a lot of dives and athletic stuff, but with Pac, one great thing with Pac is not only is he great at the high diving stuff, but he's great at the wrestling. And Moxley, you know, you can see the levels, you know, and how the WWE style is still in him in the gruesome, gritty wrestling. Not just, you don't just see a bunch of high flying and bumps from Moxley, which is great, but... I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. The broom bat thing was a little silly at first, but then I kind of got excited that Pac came in and took them both and threw them out and looked at Moxley before Moxley took Pac out and just was like, what are you doing? Especially two Pac's undefeated at this point, so Pac doesn't want to lose. Uh, you know, he's 2-0 and in AEW, and so he's like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to cost us the match. Double fingers, boom. Of course, Pac, first, first loss. It's not a singles loss, so I'm interested to see how they do that on a record. But Pac did get pinned. So technically Pac is, you know, in regards to pinning situations, he's two and one. But now that they show the record underneath when they come out, how are they going to showcase that? Because it was a tag team match. Very interesting. Are they going to have a different um, win-loss record of tag team versus singles? I don't know. Curious. Then, of course, the match that I thought was going to be a big flop and even though it was filled with a lot of gimmicky stuff, I enjoyed it so much more than I thought. And that was Chris Jericho defending his title for the first time in a street fight versus Darby Allen. Darby Allen defeated Havoc last week to become the 
um, the upcoming number one contender. Cody's the number one contender, but Darby Allen got a shot that night against Jericho. I'll tell you, Chris Jericho was was donning a sweet, sweet inner circle t-shirt. Kyle, if you haven't seen it yet, take a look at that shirt, and I guarantee you're going to order one um, because it's a really, really cool logo and design. You know, what this was was a great show of a veteran versus an up-and-comer. Now, my only one downfall of the match was Darby Allen got way too much offense after his hands were tied behind his back. You know, like, don't get me wrong, like, doing the, the backflip off the ropes with no hands, you know, doing the dive to the outside, doing the dive, uh, the spinning, um, like kind of curling, spinning, back fist dive off the top. Of course, Hager ended up and costing it all. Very heel move. Jericho then got the submission win. Uh, but however, you know, so that's the only thing is, you know, like it almost looked like Darby Allen was going to win at some point. But so I would have almost liked to see a couple of moves. But then at the end of the day, Jericho just, you know, it, and it would be even okay. I know they're trying to get heel heat. But I would have still been okay if Jericho could have legitimately beaten Darby Allen, and you could have said he did it because he tied his hands behind his back. But at the same time, I get what Jericho's trying to do, and uh, and I'm glad they did it that way, because if anything, the AEW fans aren't accustomed to cheering the good guys and booing the bad guys yet. They cheer everything, and God knows Jericho is trying. Last week at the promo, just like telling like everyone's like we the people, it's like shut up. It's like you're stupid. Like he's just cramming the fans down, but they keep coming back and cheering. So, and don't get me wrong, I get it. All the AEW fans are super happy that AEW is here, but I think what Jericho is trying to do is, come on, guys, like we're heels, boo us. Like if you're cheering us, we're not doing our job. So I challenge you guys, if you're at an event, a live event, boo the bad guys, cheer the good guys. That tells the performer that we know what they're doing and they're doing a good job at it. When you're cheering an absolute heel, I don't say it's an insult, but they almost might feel like, well, I'm not doing a good enough job being a heel. So, especially with everyone still continuing to chant, thank you, Jericho, and I get what they're trying to do, but I think uh, let's boo the bad guys, because I think that's what Jericho wants us to do. So, but no, guys, great event overall. You know, last couple of weeks, very you know, superstars build, but it was a lot of flippy and overly choreographed stuff. And you saw a little bit of that tonight, but overall, you know, some great tag team matches. We got some great advancement in the AEW tag team tournament. SCU and uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers, looks like they're going to build more and more. And it looks like, because obviously SCU and Lucha Brothers are in the tag team tournament together. So they might face each other. That might be the collision at the end for the titles. Solid promos all around, solid stage work, solid camera work. I honestly, I'd give it like an eight or a nine out of ten for that night. Even though there were some things that, and I know I can get too critical, but overall, I see where they're going. I felt where they were going, and AEW is absolutely in the right direction. So I'm very happy you guys voted for tonight being, you know, a recap of the week. I know exactly why you guys did it. The draft, Crown Jewel, Raw, SmackDown. Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman, you know, like the Firefly Funhouse, Seth and Bray, AEW killing it that night. Now, I haven't had a chance to watch the NXT yet, um, but I am very excited too as Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, like Undisputed Era, like NXT for me, that's my show. I love that show. So very excited to catch up and watch that. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that next week a little bit, but, uh, but no. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. Um, I know it's a little harder when, uh, you know, it's one of us doing the talking. Um, but I do love talking with you guys. And, you know, please let me know what do you think. Did anything about the draft disappoint you? Did you like or dislike anything about AEW? Is who's going to win against Tyson Fury, Fury, Fury? Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. Um, is The Fiend going to become the new Universal Champion? Um, what new feuds do we get, are we going to see now that Raw and SmackDown are sole brands, no more wild card? 
you know, it's there's so many unanswered questions. And you know what I love about wrestling? I love about and I love that when unanswered questions present, you know, sometimes it's great just to sit back and enjoy what's going to happen. You know, wrestling isn't as predictable as it was over the last couple of years. And I think that's really, really cool because I want to be suspended. You know, that's I love the Internet and all the, all, and all the things that it's given us. But at the same time, I hate the Internet because too many people get spoilers and too many, you know, too many things kind of come up and no one can keep a secret anymore. And back in the day, what made, you know, 90s and early 2000s wrestling so exciting is because shit, like we didn't know what was going to happen and nothing got spoiled. You know, people, like I kind of said last week, people sometimes overly get invested in, did they do what I wanted them to do other than reacting to what they ended up doing? You know, and I definitely encourage you guys, enjoy wrestling for what it is. You can love what you love and hate what you hate or whatever in the middle. But once again, watch your wrestling. We don't need to pick a side. We talk about these wars and everything else, but we're all winners at the end of the day because we got all of this amazing wrestling in front of us. Um, but no, hope you guys have a great night. And uh, Kyle and I will be back together next week. And if you do have anything you want us to go over, please hit us up at PWO show on Twitter and all of our social media. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend and we will see you guys next week. Take care.